You are listening to the Pursuit Church Essay Podcast. We are a group of imperfect, real people on a mission to pursue God and love people. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged by this week's message. Anyway, you know the 4th of July is is always a a great time uh, in our country. And for lots of Americans, uh, that's really what tomorrow, you know, ends up being about is, is the celebration, the watermelon, the, all that good stuff. And, but, you know, really, it's so much more than that. You see, back on July 4, 1776, the Second Continental Congress declared that the, col- the 13 colonies at that time, what we now know as the United States, was no longer going to be under the rule of the monarchy in King George III. And that certainly was a momentous day, wasn't it, for our country? But, you know, here's the deal. The mere declaration really didn't determine anything, right? The, de- the declaration itself really didn't solve anything. Um, what it did was set in, in motion what was to come. But, you see, in order to gain the freedom that our forefathers wanted, they had to fight for it the end of the day, they had to fight, right? Just the declaration alone wasn't getting it done. Because you see, when they declared our independence, Britain just didn't pack up and go home. They just said, okay, y'all declared your independence, done. Y'all are free. No, it didn't work that way, did it? In fact, the, the British fought to the bitter end, right? They fought us to the bitter end. I wonder if we really appreciate, as we celebrate all the things about the 4th of July, if we really appreciate the colonists, how they were able to go beyond just declaring to actually fighting for what they were declaring, right? You know, I didn't come here today to bring you a history lesson. It's nice. But what I did come here today is to ask you this question. What are you fighting for? What are you fighting for? You know, we live in a world that seems to be fighting about anything and everything, right? All you have to do is turn on the news, open up your Facebook feed, and you're going to see some fighting, right? People fighting for their causes. And there's all kinds of causes in the world, isn't there? Gun rights, animal rights, health care benefits, environmental issues, immigration, Right to life, right to choose. I mean, we we could go all kinds of different causes of the world. You know, I recently read a quote in a newspaper that said, we're mad and we're going to fight like hell. Can I I say hell in church? Is, Is that okay for a minute? But that was the title of the headline. It's indicative of the world in which we're living in right now. Everybody has a cause that they're fighting for, right? Well, I asked you a minute ago, what are you fighting for? Are you fighting for things of the moment? Things are literally going to be here today and gone tomorrow. Things that don't have an eternal impact or consequence. Or are you committed to fighting for something much bigger? Something much bigger. You go, everybody thinks their cause is the most important, right? I I get that. Right? If I were to say, what are your causes? What are you fighting for? Everybody thinks their cause or what they're fighting for is the most important thing. Or I assume they wouldn't be fighting for it. Right? I mean, you would think. But I'm here to tell you today, there really is only one 
great cause. There's only one. It's the cause of Christ. It's the cause of the gospel. That is really the only great and lasting cause that we have. You see, gospel means good news. And it really is good news when you look at the story of Jesus Christ. You see, he was born to die for our freedom. Jesus came to set you free. I'm not talking about the the freedom that our country fought for. You know, that that freedom was so we could just kind of live how we want to live, if we're being honest. We we were tired of the, the colonists were tired of the oppression of taxation and all kinds of other things. So they were really fighting for a freedom from a king. But there's a king that came to give us a different kind of freedom. Jesus Christ came to give a different kind of freedom. He came to give us a freedom that sets captives free. From bondage, from sin, from our addictions, from our dysfunction, from our shame. Come on, that's the freedom that Jesus came to give us. Everything that has our human condition bound up and imprisoned, Jesus came to free us from. That is great news, isn't it? (laughs) I'm not sure if there's any better news we, we could ever have. That's why the gospel is called the good news. But here's the thing about freedom. It isn't necessarily free. Maybe you've heard that cliche before. It's more than a cliche, though. Let me show you that. You see, if we want to be free, we have to invest something in our freedom. The colonists invested their time, their energy, their resources, and in many cases, their lives for the cause that they were trying to get freedom in. But even the freedom that Jesus brings us through the finished work on the cross requires us to invest something as well. We have to believe. We have to believe. That's the cost for us, is our belief. That's our part of the equation. And if we want to maintain our freedom, we have to fight for it. You can't stay free from something if you keep going back to it. You cannot stay free from something if you keep going back to it. It requires us to fight to stay out of it or away from it. This is what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, verses 34. He said, do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. And later on in that same chapter, he says this in verses 38 and 39. And whoever does not take up his cross... And, excuse me, and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. You see, Jesus brings us freedom, but he is also calling us to fight. Let me say that again. Jesus brings us freedom, but he's calling you. He's calling me to fight. Now, not fight like the world fights. Let's get this right but fight for the priorities that he established when he was here on earth. Jesus is known as the Prince of Peace, but his peace is not the same as the world's peace. You know what I'm talking about. The world's peace is temporary, and it comes usually through compromise, compromising our beliefs, compromising just to get along, 
in this sin-filled world. It's the world's peace is, is the go-with-the-flow peace, the don't-rock-the-boat peace. That's not the peace Jesus came to bring. Because the problem with that worldly peace is you keep compromising, giving, giving, and they just up the ante. And now they want you to compromise something else to keep the peace. That's not the peace the Prince of Peace was talking about. Remember, Jesus was called and is called the Lion of the tribe of Judah. Jesus is a warrior. He's the Prince of Peace, but he's also a warrior. Remember, Jesus is the one that threw the money changers out of the temple. He realized, and he taught us then, there is a time to fight. There is a time to say, this is not right. You are messing with my father's house. You are defiling the things that God has called me to come here and do. There is a time to fight. Jesus also said there's a time to turn the other cheek. There's both. But that wasn't one of those times. That wasn't one of those times. You see, we serve a a Savior, but we also serve a King. To remember that. We serve a Savior, but we serve a King. And for those of us who believe, we are called and commissioned to be about His business, to be His ambassadors, and to take His cause to the ends of the earth. That's what walking out a life following Christ is all about. So I want to share a few things today. What does it look like to fight for the cause of Christ? What does that look like? First, we need to recognize who our real enemy is. (laughs) You know, the colonists had lots of disagreements amongst themselves about what form of government we ought to have, what their individual roles in the government ought to have. And, and even back then, there were, there were colonists that lived in the cities, and there were colonists that lived in the country, right? Very different. The, the country uh, colonists were primarily farmers, right, and, and had a certain perspective on life. Those in the city were businesses and bankers and commerce and those... And there's a lot of disagreement about how our country ought to be formed, the government. But here's the thing they did. They were able to come together in unity on who the common enemy was. That's how they were able to win the war. Because they rallied and united together, despite their differences, around a more important cause of fighting an identified enemy that they all agreed that's who the enemy is. Okay, humanity, you and I also have a common enemy, and his name is Satan. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, God put it very clearly. He said, I will put enmity between you and the woman. He's talking about Satan. And between your offspring and her offspring, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. And then in 1 Peter 5, 8, It says this, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Hear me now, your enemy is not your neighbor. Your enemy is not your ex. Your enemy is not that person on social media who made a, a nasty comment to you or about you. 
That's not your enemy. Our enemy is the one that Jesus came, conquered, and defeated through his death, burial, and resurrection. That's who your enemy is. Come on. Satan is our real enemy, not our perceived enemy, not not who someone in the media says is your enemy. Satan is our only real enemy. He's the source of all evil in this world. Hear me now. Satan is the source of all evil in this world. He's the one that we need to unite against. He's the one that we need to unite against. Now, here's the best part. The war itself has actually already been won. Jesus already won the war, okay? And that, that's, some, that's the good news of the gospel right there. Jesus has actually, the war for your soul has actually already been won, but that means the only thing we have to do is fight some of the battles still. There, there's still some battles to be fought here on earth, okay? Now, again, those battles are not against someone else. They're against our enemy. They're not against each other. They're against our common enemy. And his name is Satan. And how do we fight against our enemy? Revelation 12, 11 says this. And they conquered him, meaning Satan, by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. For they loved not their lives even unto death. There's two things we learn about how to fight our enemy right then and there. Number one is that we have to rely upon the saving power of Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus is the one who's actually already defeated our enemy. We we need to live in that. We need to remember that. And the second thing we see in that scripture, we need to speak up. We need to share our story, right? We need to tell somebody else how Jesus saved us either from a battle, through a battle, or in a battle. The word of your testimony, your story, is important. It's, according to the word, how our enemy is defeated. Through the blood of Jesus Christ, through what he did, and through you speaking and telling, number one, yourself, reminding yourself what Jesus has saved you from, but also telling your story to others. Because this shows them, and it reminds you, that Jesus is the only real and lasting solution to the issues of this world. He is the only real and lasting solution. You see, no law, no rule, no provision, no political or social change will last. At the end of the day, as much as we would hope they would, as much as we'd like them to, as much as we think they may change things in the temporary, in the now, at the end of the day, they're not going to last. Only Jesus Christ and his word last, and they are also the only real lasting solutions to the things that trouble us in this world. Only Jesus can change a heart, and only Jesus can save a soul. Only Jesus can change a heart. Only Jesus can save a soul. No one else can do that. Come on. Come on. So you see, we fight for the cause of Christ when we identify and fight our real enemy. Here's the next thing, next way you can 
fight for the cause of Christ. Fight for your faith. Fight for your faith. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12, the Apostle Paul had these words for his protege, Timothy, when he said, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you are called and about which you made a good confession in the presence of many witnesses. And in the book of Hebrews, the entire chapter 11 of the book of Hebrews is devoted to this one topic called faith. And this is what it says in Hebrews 11, verse 6. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Your faith is important to God. Your faith is worth fighting for. Your faith is worth fighting for. And you have to fight to maintain that freedom that Jesus came to give you. Now, here's the thing. We say we have a common enemy. He uses lots of uh, tricks of the trade, so to speak, to try and keep us off course. Let me just tell you two of them that I think we all need to be aware of. Number one, he uses deception. Number two, he uses discouragement. Deception and discouragement are two of the primary weapons that our enemy uses. Now, we have a lot of weapons we're going to use, too. We're going to talk about that. But, but those, those are two that, that, he, that he tries. So I want you to remember this. At his core, the devil is a liar. I want you to know, you need to walk out of here. I don't know if you can hear something else today. The devil is a liar. He is called the father of lies. Lying, the word says, is his native tongue. So every word, have you ever met someone like, sometimes everything they're saying, you know, is just, well, that, that's from a human perspective because, because every once in a while, maybe something what they say might be true. That's not true of our, of our real enemy. Actually, every word out of his mouth is a lie. Out of his, okay, every word. The Bible says that, that the snake, as he's described in the book of Genesis, is the craftiest of all the creatures. Now, knowing that, then we can help better identify his lies. Because remember, what the world seeks to do, the other thing about Satan is he's a counterfeit. Right? Counter, like, like a $100 bill, if you get a $100 bill, do you know how they train people to look for counterfeits? They show them the real thing, and if it doesn't look like the real thing, then they know it's a counterfeit. See, they don't, they don't really teach them to look for the fake. They say, look for the real. The real is Jesus, right? So if anything you're hearing isn't 100% lined up with the Word of God, you can count on the fact that it's probably not real, right? And that's what our enemy does is he'll try and throw a half-truth in there. He'll try and throw, well, it sounds right. That's what the world does. It sounds, sounds good, yeah. Everybody should just live their life and be happy. That's not what God's word says, right? Hey, I'm just, I'm just an island. I'm just doing my own thing. Just me and God. That's not what the word says. Come on. Remember, heard one of our pastors, Karen, and I grew up with, say one time, stuck with me. Remember, 99% of the truth is still a lie. That's a fact. 
99% of the truth is still a lie. Be careful. Be careful. Our enemy wants to deceive us. What does that deception look like? It looks like saying, is God really real? He also tries to get us into these culture wars and, and into the reasoning of the world. Well, this sounds right, instead of leaning on the faith that God gave us. And then if that doesn't work, then he moves on to his, to his other one, discouragement. Discouragement. Anybody ever get discouraged from time to time? Absolutely. That looks like, man, is this God thing really worth it? It's so much trouble to fight my enemy, so much trouble to try and live for Christ. Does it really matter if I go to church? Does it really matter if I pray? Does it really matter if I share my story with others? That's what he tries to do. He tries to discourage us. Well, this is what the Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians. When you get those thoughts, and we all get them from time to time, this is what it says. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion. Is there a lot of lofty opinions going on in this world right now? Raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. This is where it starts. This is where it starts. Now, in the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, remember we said our enemy has some things he's going to use against us, deception, discouragement. Ephesians chapter 6 beautifully describes for us how we combat that, how we deal with that. This is what it says in chapter 11, verses 14 through 19. It says, the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Take up the shield of what? Faith, with which you can extinguish all of the flaming arrows of the evil one. The helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. <coughs> Excuse me, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all of the Lord's people. Pray also that for me, and I would say this as Paul, I'm, I'm asking you to pray for me and Karen as your pastors, that we speak words so we can make fearlessly known the gospel and the mystery of the gospel. Here's some things we learn that we have at our disposal as weapons. That buckle holds things in place. The truth of God keeps us grounded in him. The peace that's described in this chapter is the good news of Jesus Christ. It's not the peace of the world. It's the peace of a savior. The salvation that's a helmet, that's to remind us that we need salvation, but it's also to remind us when Satan starts to speak to our minds, that we already have a savior that's defeated him. He, he's a defeated foe. He's a defeated foe. So when the devil tells us that we're doomed, that nothing's going to work out right, that you're not sure of your future, you don't know how this whole thing's going to work out, yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. Because Jesus has already planted that in our heart, 
in our mind, in our soul, in our spirit, because he's already defeated our enemy. And then the word of God. What did Jesus do when he was in the desert and tempted? That's how he started his ministry, by the way. (laughs) How do you like that for your first test out of the gate? I'm going to put you in the desert for 40 days with your enemy. And I'm going to let him talk to you. Same thing I just taught. That's what Satan was talking to the Savior of the world. Ah, come on. You got this. You don't need God. You, you just, man, you just do everything and just give me the glory and I'll give you everything you ever wanted. And what did Jesus do? How did Jesus combat that? With the word of God. My father says, you shall not live by bread alone. My father says, you should not tempt the Lord your God. That is how Jesus defeated the enemy in the desert that day. That's how you and I can defeat our enemy, through the power of the word of God. And lastly, prayer is a weapon. Prayer is a powerful weapon. Prayer is a powerful weapon. If we're to believe the scripture we read, it says pray about all kinds of things. Pray about your family. Pray about your future. Pray about what you want uh, direction in from God. Pray about everything. Pray for the church. Pray for your pastors. Pray for people that, that uh, are in need. It says pray for all kinds of things. That's a powerful weapon in your arsenal. You see, God has already provided us with everything we need for the fight. You have everything you need right now for the fight. We just have to learn to use these weapons and use them well. To fight for the cause of Christ, we need to know our real enemy. We need to fight for our faith. And there's one more thing that I'm going to ask you to fight for. Fight for your freedom in Christ. Fight for your freedom in Christ. You know, almost 250 years ago now, our forefathers in early countrymen fought for freedom from a king and a country. In the cause of Christ, we're fighting for a different kind of freedom, an everlasting freedom. Galatians 5.1 puts it this way. For freedom... Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. You see, the revolutionary colonists were seeking freedom from an oppressive king. We are seeking freedom from the oppression of sin. That's the freedom that Jesus came to give us. That's the freedom that we want from the oppression of sin. But we need to fight We need to stand firm, as the Apostle Paul reminds us, to avoid falling back into what we've been set free from. That's the thing. we got to fight to stay free in what Christ has done for us so we don't fall back into what we've been freed from. You see, Jesus paid a heavy price for our freedom. It cost him his life. Our salvation, our freedom from the bondage of sin was worth it to him. And it should be worth it to you. It should be fight for your freedom in Christ. You know, we have joy available at any moment. We have the perfect peace of Christ when the storms of life come at us. But we have to do our part to stay free. We need to fight against old habits. We need to fight against temptation. We need to fight against wrong thought patterns. 
things that can try and put us again in chains, the same chains that Jesus came to break, the same chains that we broke out of when we said, yes, I will follow my Savior. I will follow my King. And how to do that, we just talked about in Ephesians 6. That, that's how you stay out of those things. You see, once you give your life to Christ to relinquish, relinquish control, he needs to become the Lord of your life. And I want you to remember, once you accept Christ, you always have God in your foxhole, <laughs> in your trenches with you. But here's the thing, we also need other believers to walk this life out with us, right? It's not just, you know, me, God, and two more. No, that's, that's not what the word says. Yeah, Jesus is, is what it's about. But it's very clear we need each other. And God expects us to walk this out together. You see, when soldiers are on the battlefield, it's not just them. They've got someone beside them. They've got people supporting them. They've got people walking and fighting with them. We need that same thing in our walk with Jesus. You see, there's some people walking with you that will literally fight combat with you hand-to-hand. Their weapons are flying. They're right next to you. There's some people in your life you need literally fighting with you. There's people in your life you need to help bandage up your injuries, right, when you get hurt. There's people in your life that you need for logistical and strategy reasons. Hey, help you think a new way, help you look at things a different way. There's people sometimes that need to feed you. Earthly bodies need food and water, but sometimes that might be what you need. But our spirits need to be fed too. We need people in our lives that will feed us spiritually, help us keep the perspective in mind. Help us remember what the fight is about. Come on. You know, in Ecclesiastes 4, 9, and 10, we just read this at Listen, David's beautiful wedding the other day, but it's very applicable to where we're talking about it today. It says, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their work. For if they fall, one will lift up the other. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and doesn't have somebody else to lift him up. If you want to maintain your freedom in Christ, you need to stay in community with other followers of Jesus. And these verses in Ecclesiastes and Hebrews, there's many others that really talk about this need for us to walk this out together, to encourage one another, to be in the battle together. You see, defending or fighting for our freedom is not always easy, if we're being honest, but it's always worth it. Come on. It's not always easy, but it's always worth it. Don't give back to the enemy ground that you have already taken in Christ Jesus. Don't, don't retreat. See, see, in, 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 in the real, this, woo, this, this is good now. This, this is free stuff, not even in my notes. See, in a real war, sometimes you know you got to retreat. You got to, yeah, let's go. That's not how it is in the fight of Christ. Don't, don't ever retreat. We went, one of our spiritual mentors one time told both of us, looked us right in the eye and said, don't ever flinch in the eye of the enemy. Don't do it. Don't do it. I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying it's a piece of cake. I'm not saying, but that's, that's a difference about fighting for the cause of Christ and fighting for causes of the world. Things get hard in the world. We retreat oftentimes. Say, eh, that fight ain't worth it anymore. I'm not willing to go through with it. 
too much time, too much trouble, forget it. That's not the way it is in the cause of Christ. Jesus said, don't flinch in the eyes of the enemy because greater is he that is in you than anything in this world. Right, Jesus, you already have the confidence because here's the other difference. You see, unlike the Revolutionary War at the beginning, it wasn't won. Our war has actually already been won. We already know who wins, right? We've already gone to the last chapter in the book. We know who wins. We just have to fight like we know who wins. We have to fight like we already know who won and who wins. That's the difference when you're talking about fighting for the cause of Christ versus some of these worldly causes. Now, here's the thing. We need to understand and remember that God is a progressive God. God is a progressive God. What does that mean? That means that he's not calling us to look back. He's always calling us to go forward. God is a progressive God. He is always looking to what's next. And he wants us to be those kinds of people. Looking to what's next. Paul put it well. He said, I'm, you know, I can't control what's behind, but I'm, he, he called it striving to look forward. Striving to what's ahead. That's what Paul was talking about. He was talking about the progressive God that we serve. Now, I want you to remember this. This is important. God has given you just the right amount of fight for the battles that he has for you to fight. God has given you just the right amount of fight in you. That's part of what his grace is about. He's given you what you need to fight the battles that are important and our priorities for Jesus. He's put that in you already. So hear me well. Part of fighting for the cause of Christ is learning how to pick your battles wisely. I want to say that again. Part of fighting for the cause of Christ is learning to pick your battles wisely. Because you see, there's a myriad of battles that the world will ask you to fight. There's tons of causes. There's, there's tons of things that the world says, invest your time here, invest your money in it, invest your, your emotional energy into it. But here's the problem. How much time and energy are you investing into those kinds of fights that have no eternal impact? You see, the real fight is for the salvation of souls. That is the only real fight that has an eternal impact in this world and in the world to come. Now, hear me now. Fighting for things like poverty, injustice, helping the sick, absolutely. Do they have some importance? Yes, they do. Yes, they do. And actually, when the church, when the church comes together to actually do those kinds of things, it's very pleasing to God. 
James very clearly said, this is true religion, to care for the poor, to love them. So, so don't, don't hear that those things aren't important to God. They are. But you have to put them in the right priority. You see, Jesus himself said, you will always have the poor with you. Does that mean Jesus didn't care about the poor? Of course not. But what it does mean is he was saying in that context, there's a higher cause I want you fighting for. My priorities. That's what he was telling them. That's what he's telling us today. Because the salvation of mankind is the reason Jesus came here. It's still the reason that we proclaim his name. It's still the reason that we're fighting for his cause. You see, Jesus came to bring heaven to earth. Now, are we involved in some of these other things? We most absolutely are as a church. Every month, we feed literally hundreds of people in our food pantry. It's important. But let me be very clear. What's even more important is to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because there is no more important fight. There is more, no more important cause than the cause of Christ. Listen again to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 and 26, when, when this kind of question came to him, all these things of the world, and this is what Jesus said. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul. Jesus was saying, yeah, there's lots of causes you can put your time, energy, efforts into. I want to say again, we only have so much grace, so much energy for the fights that God has given us to fight. Choose your battles wisely. Finally, Jesus said this. It's not on your screen, but maybe you've heard it. It's also in the book of Matthew, chapter 6, where he said, Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these other things I'll handle. I'm asking you today, put the cause for Christ first in your life ahead of everything else, ahead of your own need to feel good, ahead of your own uh, ambitions, however seemingly good you think they may be. Because again, a lot of people get involved in causes because they want to feel good if we're, if we're keeping it real. They want to get involved in a cause of the world because it makes them feel good. Or they're very upset and mad about something. Right? Those, those are usually the two reasons people get involved in causes. I'm asking you to choose your battles wisely. I'm not saying any of those other things in the world we ought not to be concerned about. There's a difference between, hear me now, there's a difference between being concerned and being committed. Jesus says, 
very clearly, I need you committed to my cause. We can be concerned about these other things, and we ought to be in many cases. I'm asking you today to commit your life to the greatest cause there ever was and there ever will be, the cause of Jesus Christ. Don't get so focused on these situational battles, my friends. Things, again, that may give you comfort or make you feel good for a minute. No, I'm asking you to focus on the thing that will have eternal impact for your soul, your life, but also for the lives of those that you impact. Let's fight our real enemy, not each other. We're called to love each other, so let's fight with love. Let's fight for our faith, keeping our trust in God and not letting our real enemy cast doubt or discouragement so that we can show others what it looks like to put real hope in a real solution in a real savior. And lastly, let's fight to maintain our freedom in Christ. Let's use the weapons that God has given us and use them generously and use them well. The cause of Christ is the greatest thing that you can ever give your life to. Let's get in the fight. Let's get in the fight. Not tomorrow, not next week, today. I'm asking you to get in the fight today. And then let Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, let you walk out that fight for the rest of your life. If you close your eyes and bow your heads, would you pray with me now? Heavenly Father, we thank you that in Christ we've actually already won the victory. God, thank you for that that the war has actually already been won. But God, we know you've also called us to run the race. Jesus told us that we ought to be witnesses for him in all of the earth. So God, please help us to do that. Help us to bring heaven to earth by fighting for the right things, the things that have eternal impact. And God, help us to use the weapons of war that you have given us. Father, please plant in our hearts the courage and the strength and the faith to boldly fight for our King, our Savior. May your love fill us and give us everything that we need to fight well. In Jesus' name, we pray. If God is transforming your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. You can give at PursuitChurchSA.com slash give. Thank you for listening and remember to follow us to enjoy more messages like this.